0: Hello and welcome to Earth Calling. We're your hosts Ed and Laszlo. Every week we bring you a fresh slice of online content, sorting through the likes, the memes, the insta-queens, the swipes, the scrolls, and the twitter trolls. Together we're laying down our 21st century digital legacy. So sit back, relax, and buckle in. This is Earth Calling.
1: Welcome back, Earth Callers. Uh, It's great to have you with us once more. Today we are hopping on board our spaceship and cruising on to planet Blockbuster. And I don't mean Blockbusters, of course. We're not devoting a whole episode of our show to the sadly now utterly redundant video store chain. Although, actually, just quick segue, isn't there one blockbusters remaining in the world somewhere in America, and it's basically just it sells donuts. Or something like that. Yeah,
0: exactly. I think there's one blockbuster remaining at least when I last checked, uh, not that I check it regularly. And I think it's in Alaska, and the reason it's in Alaska is because the internet speeds are pretty low and broadband is super expensive. So, <laughs> therefore like people actually it's it's not feasible to stream data and therefore consume drumroll our main focus of today which is
1: netflix netflix of course you know out you're right because out in alaska you've just you know slain a moose it's kind of slung over your shoulder you the last thing you you want to do is go back to your home and and struggle with the buffering your very (laughs) very poor internet connection you just head on wrapped to blockbuster take a is that uh, yeah (laughs) Yeah, I was going to do more
0: of a Sarah Sarah Palin kind of, um, oh, you want to play ball, do you, Jeff? Uh, I'm just a hockey mom, and I've just killed a moose, and I want to go home and watch the DVD.
1: Sarah Palin was just so 2008. Mm, That was a pretty retro reference, yeah, all of our young listeners. But our young listeners will, of course, be familiar with Netflix, and I think, Ed, it'd be good for you to explain a bit about how it started, because we need to really go back into the past to understand how... Our beloved video store chains became totally useless.
0: Cast your mind back. Picture the scene. It's 1995. You've decided to go and rent a movie. Where would you do it? You would go down to the local blockbuster, the local video store. And um, back in those days, and I remember them very well, you'd go, I'd go with my dad or my mum and you'd literally peruse, sort of, it was almost like a magazine stand. And you'd look at the different titles and you'd go, hmm. And you'd have the best hits, you'd have the different sections, yeah. a bit like going into a bookshop now. You'd look at this wonderful array and... And there'd be this smell of sort of a mixture of plastic from the video cases and the pick and mix and the popcorn. And there's a whole experience to it, which I kind of miss, actually. And you'd pick it off the shelf and it was always an empty video box. So if you remember, you'd sort of go around to yes. the front and then yes. they'd like put an actual video in it. And sometimes they wouldn't have it in They're stock. to the back. Yeah. And you'd be like, wait, <laughs> hang on, what? I like, can't. I'm thinking back of that now. It's insane. You'd go home, you'd plug it in, it would whirr. It would load up and then you'd sometimes have to rewind it because they'd have like forgotten to rewind it. So you'd sit there and watch the film in reverse for five minutes, but try not to look. And then you'd finally be able to watch it. And there'd be adverts before
1: that you'd try and fast forward. um, Yeah. And you'd listen. And and if you if you if in a viewing session you decided, you know, bit late, we'll, we'll save it for tomorrow. Then the next day, of course, to get back to the section that you're at, you kind of you uh, would have to choose a time window wouldn't you it would have these different scenes that you'd have to choose from to to get to, to where you were yeah
0: so that's jumping ahead slightly that's dvds but we'll forgive you for that but yeah so vid- oh, video what? was of course static it was just a bit of uh, film in a in a box that would reel around so yeah we're oh at... i thought
1: you were talking about oh, okay yeah but in
0: 1997 all that changed and a man called Reed Hastings and his business partner Mark Randolph decided that they could start sending these new things called DVDs in the post. And they couldn't do it with a video because it was too clunky, but they decided to mail these DVDs in the post and they would offer you no late fees. And supposedly the story started when Hastings got fined 40 dollars in a late fee i don't know if you remember but if you returned it late they'd be like no yes. that'll be like 40 pounds and you'd be like wait yes. what it's like more yeah. than the cost of buying it um so so he was annoyed he started this this company and it went on to huge success but what very interestingly happened was they got to 2001 and And they were doing pretty well. They had lots of subscribers, but they were massively in debt. And then 9-11 hit and people's disposable incomes were smashed. And so at this point, the company was losing shed loads of money. And they actually went to Blockbuster and Reed said, you know, guys, we're in serious trouble. We need a bailout. Can you buy us? And he said to Blockbuster... Can you buy us for $50 million? Five zero million. And Blockbuster said, no, you guys are pipsqueaks. We don't want it on your bike. Subsequently... That is so tragic. Yeah. And of course, you know, we know the story. But subsequently, DVD players plummeted in cost. So DVDs became a lot more accessible to people. And Blockbuster is now dead. Uh, with the, with the exception of Sarah Palin's store in in, in Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, Netflix is worth I think about two hundred billion dollars in in terms of market cap. So it's it's an amazing story, and it has given us what we have today, which is a global internet behemoth um, that is responsible for
1: some of the best online content there is. I would say. I think it's just astonishing the rate at which Netflix is devouring different genres and making them its own i mean think about reality tv reality tv we associate so strongly with live view, you know watching the tv and watching a bunch of idiots in a house just you know being filmed and revealing weird things about themselves netflix has has really reshaped that and created its own binge watching of of these shows yeah where, where you don't As opposed to, you know, having this 24-hour cycle of Big Brother, let's say. It just will release a whole season, which is together, you know, 12 hours, 24 hours of of viewing content. But so compulsive is the content that you you just, you find yourself watching all of it in one sitting.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And it's just completely redefined, like, what we consider to be television or, like, audiovisual entertainment. Like, if you think even even the, the phrase reality TV implies there is a TV involved, like, even television itself has kind of become this weird, redundant phrase because everybody watches everything on their phone. Like, um, yeah. you know, everyone watches YouTube and consumes content, including Netflix, on
1: their phone or their laptop. And television, as we knew it, is completely dead. I mean, do, do you remember the days when, you know, on a Sunday, it was very exciting because you got the Sunday times and it came with the culture pages and that would be the TV schedule for the week. Mm-hmm. So on Sunday, you on Sunday, you would open up the TV and you would kind of, <laughs> you know, underline it. So, like, Oh, Wednesday, 7pm. I could make myself available. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of like, then you highlight it and you think, Oh, Bridget Jones's diary. Yes, please. Yeah. I can so imagine I, I I should...
0: the Laszlo, the Laszlo family, uh, Lunch table on a Sunday. Oh, dear Laszlo, what have we got on the chopping block for next week? And then you say, well, Daddy, I think we've got uh, Bridget Jones 2, the edge of reason. And then he says, well, wonderful. Why don't you pop it in my diary and we'll settle down with a nice cup of cocoa on Wednesday evening.
1: But Father... Homes under the hammer is clashing with the World Championship snooker finals. I don't
0: give a damn. <laughs> I need to know what's happened to Bridget and her fucking diary. But back to the topic at hand, Netflix. I think that one key point I want to raise in our discussion is the fact that Netflix did pioneer this idea of original online content. So they realised very early on that you know, the real wins would be in controlling the content they had, right? Because Reed Hastings realised that um, if he was beholden to the content of others, he would ultimately be in real trouble. As we see now with Disney, Disney's got Disney Plus, and they're like, well, fine, we're just not going to put our stuff on Netflix. So Netflix has had to fight its own corner. And they started this, of course, with the wildly successful House of Cards, um, which I think came out in
1: Was that one of their first original series? Was, was it the first original series? I think
0: it was certainly the, the, the first successful original one, yeah, which I think was in the early 2010s. I mean, have you watched
1: House of Cards? <clears throat> I haven't watched House of Cards, actually. I, I don't think I can watch it now, given the fact that, unfortunately, the lead actor is a bit of a... He's been um, cancelled. Pariah, he's been cancelled, yeah.
0: Yeah, I actually saw that they edited him out of an entire film. Did you see that when, when, when all this what? kicked off? Yeah, so he was in a film, and they had to, like, re-edit in Christopher Plummer. I and mean, you can imagine Christopher Plummer being like, yeah, so- sorry, <laughs> dude, you didn't make the first cut, but we're actually just going to, like, staple your head onto Kevin Spacey for, for the film, but we're going to pay you a lot, so... But no, I mean, House of Cards was wonderful and it was... um,
1: Who does Kevin Spacey play?
0: Kevin Spacey, as you probably know, plays Frank Underwood, who is the, uh, the megalomaniacal and Machiavellian... Southern. He comes from Gaffney in the south, and he says things like "whence" and "when," uh, and he always uses these bizarre.
1: Sounds like a bloody aristocrat from Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like he's from the deep south.
0: No, but he's got a very sophisticated tone of voice, and he says things like uh, he always uses very descriptive imagery. So, and 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 the, actually, the br- brilliant thing about Frank Underwood is he talks directly to the camera, so he breaks the fourth wall and yes Yes, that's the thing is incredibly captivating kevin spacey despite his indiscretions he's very compelling but yeah he uses these great analogies where he'll say something like being a president is like being a sycamore tree in the wind you never know whence it's gonna blow and it's like (laughs) i'm not sure i understood it but (laughs) but yeah that was pretty boss um also
1: also for for any of our any of our listeners who were here for an episode where Ed did his Morgan Freeman impression, I can tell you that Morgan Freeman sounds exactly the same <laughs> as, as Frank Underwood. There's literally uh, no. I was worried. There. I
0: was worried when I was doing it. I was. Uh, it did, did, did sound a bit like Morgan, but Morgan's <laughs> a bit more like that. And, and Frank is a bit more, yeah. anyway. But they're but they're probably from a similar state. I don't know where Gaffney is, um, but Frank's an absolute boss. Gaffney. And so he he kickstarted the the Netflix original series um, Bonanza, yes. which has subsequently led on to such greats as Narcos. Orange is the New wow. Black, Ozark, Money Heist. Ozark. Yeah, Money Heist, have you seen that? The, uh, the Spanish one? And of money, course. Money Heist.
1: Pues claro que sí, La Casa de Papel. Ah, Casa
0: de Papel, of course he watches it in <laughs> the original, yes. So Money Heist is Netflix, and um, what else have they got? Like Narcos, I think, is a very big one, which is also... is that's Yeah, so that's South American, obviously, about... uh soy Pablo, Emilio, Gaviria, Escobar. Okay. Mal yeah. Yeah, what does he say
1: he plato Mal parido. Mal parido. oh yeah yeah no plato plomo. Pla- yeah. plomo what does that yeah. mean so- but you know of course see, uh, it means uh money lead or lead or, or money or lead yeah,
0: yeah. probably money or uh, lead no, but lead, is lead or money like, so how about <laughs> it
1: lead or money i guess it works both ways <laughs> Um so um, I've got a quick proposition. Would you like the lead or some so money? um, I'm um, not entirely uh, sure what you mean there course. Pablo
0: um so <laughs>
1: do you mean lead
0: as in pencil lead, or do you mean bullet lead? You know what
1: I fucking mean, yeah, um. I'd rather graphite, if you've got graphite, that'd be lovely, because, you know, my, my son tends to bite the end of his pencils, so... <laughs> Wouldn't want little Jimmy Escobar guessing lead poisoning. <laughs> Jimmy Escobar, who... Uh... Jaime, Jaime Escobar. Jaime. I, I just remember one, one particularly memorable scene, is he's early on in his kind of looting criminal days i love that you he make him sound like a sort of a young
0: carefree right to riches Rags, yeah. Rags to this riches. is like this is oh, he's you know just robbing the local <laughs> pawn shop and uh you know just sort of finding his fees and before you know it, young
1: pablo's grown up into a real coke baron <laughs> well put it this way early on in his career he wasn't shipping around you know a hundred kilos of coke in his truck he had just second hand TVs and radios yeah. so, so in that sense he was this little wh- young whippersnapper just uh, trying to make a name for himself but he's trying to smuggle these things across a bridge and the policemen come up to his van and they start asking questions so you know we're going to have to see what's in there and Pablo Escobar just gets out and there's around five of these police officers and he just goes up to each one of them in turn as if you know they're in this line he just goes up to them and he just proceeds to tell them exactly where they live, who they're married to, what their kids are, yeah, and uh, where their kids go to school, yeah. Uh, and, and once he's done all of that, he just opens the back of his truck, and I think gives them each like a television. for your for your your son jaime yes you know for for your daughter elisa because of course she liked to play with toys no yeah yeah (laughs) it's classic it's classic (laughs) mafia
0: style you know he i mean who got there first it's like the mafia guy in italy who's going oh it's a pretty nice guy you got there wouldn't want anything to happen to it Uh, that was more american (laughs) but uh
1: yeah Um, and how's your wife aubrey (laughs) because you know You know, she loves those daisies, doesn't she? And she loves scrambled egg on toast with a side of lemon juice, and oddly specific. Yeah. She loves that Inverness smoked salmon, doesn't she?
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's got that chronic case of psoriasis, hasn't she? Lovely Audrey. Wouldn't want her not being able to buy that psoriasis medication for the local pharmacy, would we now? But they, they, maybe they have a, a sort of international crime ring chat forum where they just share best practices on um, on how to behave. But you're right, that's the scene where he says, And I was like, oof, okay, here we go. Yeah.
1: Which is the Colombian equivalent of, my name is Marcus Maximus. Maximus yeah. Decimus. Okay, whatever.
0: Commander of the Le- yeah. <laughs> but but no, so exactly. So, so Narcos is another fantastic example. But I think we would be remiss not to address the cultural phenomenon that was also a Netflix original, or at least was certainly purchased by Netflix, I think, because there's an interesting grey line between shows that they produce and shows that they buy, and I think that they claim both as their own. But last year...
1: Either way, you're going to get the... Yeah. (laughs) You know, the... Ka-dung. which by the way I find probably the most satisfying noise in the world it's they, they must have spent millions of their marketing budget just to get the the optimal sound effect before shows
0: but as I said we would be remiss not to discuss the cultural phenomenon that hit our screens at the peak lockdown of last year, 2020 March, and that is, of course, Tiger King. Oh
1: my word.
0: Yeah, in many ways, like, if you were to design the perfect binge Netflix show you know you mentioned taking over genres but they basically have like cracked the formula so you've got animals which are jokes you've got a bit of intrigue you've got a murder mystery true crime is of course fantastic they made making a murderer they therefore saw that people love that stuff you set it in some deep south wild bumblefuck (laughs) nowhereville (laughs) <laughs> and you get some really colourful characters and you sprinkle on a bit of global pandemic and some uh, yes. some coronavirus yes. and you've got yourself a hit. Did you watch
1: Tiger Arguably, King? Arguably, I did watch Tiger King. Arguably, the, the pandemic feature is probably the most important. I mean, would, would a documentary about a guy who runs this weird Tiger Sanctuary really have gone viral in normal times? I think Maybe. I think Pro- it probably possibly. wouldn't no, probably. it wouldn't have
0: gone as viral. It probably still would have done okay. He would have he would have been offered Joe Exotic would have been offered a, a second season. But I think there is a central question here, and to be honest, if anybody here hasn't watched Tiger King, spoiler alert, but frankly you should have. So the question on all of our minds, Laszlo, you know, do you think that
1: Carol Baskin killed her husband. Firstly, thank you for the question. Secondly, before I answer the question, I will quickly just do the. Um, Carol Baskin! Killed her husband, whacked him! Yeah. Carol Baskin! <laughs> have you heard that? Have I you have heard the that? TikTok. We're, we're merging. Okay. That's the Cheers. beauty of Earth Calling. We exactly. sort of. Exactly. We have all these
0: wonderful uh, references between the different platforms yeah so Savage that was remade social into the
1: cross-pollination yes, yes exactly. but we
0: are referring to Carol Baskin um, the the big cat lover hey all you cool cats and kittens it's Carol Baskin <laughs> big cat rescue um, yeah so, but did Carol uh, kill her husband <laughs>
1: I, I, I really like to criticise your accents more than I like to praise them. And this time, I'm just going to give you a lot of praise because because I couldn't quite keep my, my laughter to myself. Laszlo, you
0: are mother. one cool kitten. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, stay cool, cats. Um, so, <laughs> so no, but I mean, you know, uh, this wonderful I uh, cat-loving... I think that yeah.
1: Carol Baskin, all likelihood... She killed her husband.
0: Really? Wow. Interesting. Okay. So I actually would disagree with that. I think she, on balance, probably didn't. You know, the guy basically just jetted off to, in my opinion, probably just headed off to Mexico. He's probably down there hanging out with not El Chapo, not Escobar, but but you know some of those lads off the grid.
1: Why, why is he doing that though? Why Why did he leave?
0: Well, he felt he felt very sort of um, he did he did feel threatened by by cow <laughs>
1: Well, there we there we go <laughs>
0: no but um I, I mean he he wanted to get away from it all uh I think he had debts or something he was he was nervous
1: yeah he's very he was, he, was, he was very nervous you're right that that his his wife often would would brandish a gun at him and and threaten to kill him
0: no but come on I mean she didn't feed him to the to the cool <laughs> cats did 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 she
1: isn't it just amazing because it's just the most enticing idea, mm. or, uh, you know, in a very morbid way. It's just the most incredibly bizarre possibility, which people have really latched onto and also explains, <laughs> explains a fair bit about, you know, why they didn't find his body. Well, they didn't find his body because it's been ingested. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah. Yeah. I... Yeah. I, look, I, I, I don't actually, I, I'm mainly saying that I think she did because, because to be honest, when I see her speak and, and the way that she comes across in the interviews in Tiger King, something just ain't right, mm. you know? it's it, it just feels weird. She feels a bit off, and... and you got um... a weird
0: feeling in your gut, boy. But the rich tapestry of characters was second to none, because you had Carol, who is extremely colourful, and you had Joe, Joe Exotic, who was, you know, a gay cowboy, and, and um... <laughs> fucking Carol Baskin. She's gonna be the enemy. But, but um but then you had like the guy who didn't have any legs and then you had like the two husbands the two husbands you had the poor yeah. zookeeper woman who had her arm ripped off by a tiger and then you yes. had the you know, you had the guy who sort of filmed it all the filmmaker who, yeah he was <laughs> always the, the best most- and i turned up there and i just said you gotta keep rolling with this interview <laughs> I just couldn't,
1: that was couldn't it. That believe was it. it you gotta keep rolling yeah, and I yeah. said <laughs> like, and the next day I walked in and it burnt to the ground
0: yeah exactly I forgot that they burnt it down
1: <laughs> and I yeah, thought it's, it's gotta be Joel but could, you
0: know <laughs> yeah Rick I mean he was nuts but the whole, really the whole cast was
1: really great good. so Ed I think I might lower the tone here because you just said that you enjoy watching, you know, true-crime thrillers and that's all, you know, that's all good and well. But I have to confess that the way that I like to consume Netflix is actually more down the reality TV show route. And I'm a bit embarrassed to say that in the past year and a half I've watched the shows Too Hot to Handle, Love is Blind, The Circle, Dating Around, Best leftovers ever. A hundred humans in their entirety. Wait, what are they? I don't precise, literally precisely none of that was done in research.
0: I've heard of zero of those. I thought you were gonna be like, oh, I like The Bachelor, or there was that other one, sort of first dates or something. I mean <laughs> what I think our recommended stream probably
1: looks quite a lot different. Yeah.
0: Well you'd get some soppy drama that would be a ninety-nine percent match, whereas mine would be yeah, trying to explain the Oklahoma bombings. Um, but uh, but okay, fine. So talk me through talk me through these shows.
1: Okay, I'll try to give one line synopses for these. Too hot to handle, a show where a bunch of very hot men and women are on this island together, and if they engage in sexual activities or get with each other, they are punished, and the amount of money they can win from this show goes down each time. What?
0: Wait, what? So, wait, okay, so they go on to an o- You must
1: have heard of it. I've never this. heard of Bloody that. Bloody hell. So, oh.
0: so, hang on, so you go onto an island and the objective is not to get with anyone on the island. Is that right? Because, I mean, I would be really, really good at this show. <laughs> I mean, I can tell well, that's you.
1: What I, that's what I thought, too. That's what I yeah. thought of myself. Yeah, Too Hot to Handle, yes, is, is ridiculously attractive, Uh, men and women who are on this and and they're sanctioned each time that they they even so much as touch each other so a kiss for example might might lead to the pot of money let's say 100 grand being reduced by five grand so the next day it's announced to the group and everyone's like oh my god and it's really funny because it's a it's a concoction of different nationalities it's not you know homogenous as usual in these countries it's like all british people you got you know australians americans british people next day someone's like who the, the fuck had a shag in the shower? <laughs> Go on, put your, put your hand up. Who the fuck got naughty in the bedroom? And uh, everyone's kind of sitting there twiddling their thumbs.
0: It was only a bloody kiss, mate. I didn't realise it was going to be five <laughs> grand. Seems a bit steep to me.
1: There was a chocolate fondue with strawberries. Yeah,
0: what was I meant to do? Yeah. She was all over me.
1: I mean, I think people who are listening to this now will find that you are in the dark okay, here fine. and that you are in the wrong because this is an enormous show. Uh, perhaps as enormous as the next on my list, which is Love is Blind. Yeah, okay, so, is, yeah,
0: so, okay, yes. fine, I have heard of that one. That is the one where they don't get to see each other, is that right? So they talk, do they talk exactly. through a wall or something, or how does it
1: work? Exactly, they talk through a wall, and they, <laughs> they basically have to propose to the person they feel strongest to. Propose it's set a date, for. No, no, literally proposed marriage. So they they get engaged without ever having seen each other. Come on, come on. Half of the the show is them meeting blind and then half of it is them actually starting relationships in the real world. So you have the big reveal moment and then uh, it culminates in two people standing, you know, by the officiating pastor in a church and he's asking them to say, I do. And if one of them isn't quite invested in the idea of marrying, they just will say, "I do not."
0: Wait, so well, hang on, but they—I d- mean, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty dramatic. Surely they could just reveal that before the bloody ceremony. I mean, yeah, but okay, fine. I but get the drama. This
1: is television. This is television. But yes, yeah, so so you know, too hot to handle. Love is blind. Those were t- those were two of my staples last year, and recently. I've become a bit obsessed to the extent that I binge watched it in approximately two days, with the show "Best Leftovers Ever," and it's a very simple title. You immediately know what what it's going to be about. But it's basically Food. a cooking show where, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a cooking show where three chefs every week compete to win ten thousand dollars, and they have to turn leftovers that you know, an uh, a takeaway box of pork chow mein or a chicken tikka masala into a totally new dish. And it's it's quite, quite amazing. Interesting, by the way, for regular listeners to the
0: show that Laszlo is, of course, a vegetarian come pescatarian. <laughs> and whenever we talk about anything food-related, he immediately jumps <laughs> to meat items. And, you know, I think that just goes to show what is in his mind. We talked in the TikTok yes. episode about how all he gets fed by the famously accurate algorithm that knows your deepest, darkest thoughts is... <laughs> basically content about steaks so anyway it's interesting that it's the chow mein that's of course pork rather than a vegetable chow mein but good to know
1: well well yes in this show they do have to convert dishes entirely made of meat into different dishes so it was you know hard to say no to that but it's really incredible what these what these chefs do to totally reimagine the the leftovers that they've been given i really do recommend it it's quite also gives you lots of inspiration for dishes that you will inevitably never, ever make because you're way too lazy to do anything with your leftovers, Mm. like me. I I love it how when they judge on those things, in
0: order to build the suspense, they kind of keep you in limbo as to whether they like the dish or not. So, you know, they'll get the dish and they'll try it. And they'll be like, this is a complete (laughs) and utter masterclass. If I was someone blind without a sense of taste, but also mad with joy at how good it was, and you're just like, <laughs> and they zoom you know, in on the contestants, you know, re- and the contestants' eyes yeah. are like
1: lighting up with the music, and then sort of you know what I mean? It reminds me of a, like an astrology reading, a horoscope, which is like, November is gonna be the month when you realize that it's okay <laughs> to be happy to be happy with you not being particularly satisfied yeah. with your partner's dog things <laughs> things like, are on the horizon oh. general stuff <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah uh, watch out for someone that you speak to <laughs> who ref- who who refers to you in the third person? Yeah. Someone you know <laughs> <All right.
0: laughs> will surprise you. Oh fuck me. Yeah.
1: Anyway, you're right. In in this show they do they, they are quite um careful to always give a balance of positive and negative feedback on the on the leftover dishes. So that at the end, you know, you're you're grasping for, for the winner. The true compliment sandwich, you might say.
0: Well, that is all we've got time for this week, Earth Callers. Thank you so much for tuning in. As ever, please, please do not forget to download, subscribe, and throw us a like. If you have Instagram, give us a follow at earth underscore calling underscore pod. It really means the world.
1: And after you have done the steps so clearly delineated by a slightly obsequious Ed please do join us next week when we will be looking for a place to stay and not just any place to stay a characterful brooklyn laugh department with a panoramic city view (laughs) that's right we will be cruising on with our spaceship to airbnb so join us then have a great week earth out